sounds fun. Follow your cart. Get the ember. Love it. Keyforge Premier League Weekly with Jupiter from Elias, New York, aka the Fifth Planet Keyforge, and I have my esteemed co-host co with me. Hey guys, it's Dradscore. How is it going, Jupiter? It's been a long week of testing dark tidings. Like uh, ah, you're diving straight in. Uh, yeah, I have. I opened uh, over twelve boxes. Ooh, I, I that just, is more than me. I just opened, I think, I think I've opened 14 boxes now, and like, um, I had 60 of those decks were set aside for the event that we're running um, tomorrow, mm -hmm. which, so we're mm -hmm. recording this on Friday night, but uh, tomorrow we're running the event, and um, um, the Dark Tiding Sealed event, so a lot of the decks basically came, like, yesterday, and uh, cool. I, I got to see some new stuff, but I also have already sold some decks, I actually sold my, my, my highest SAS deck to Z, because um, I wasn't a big fan of it, even though it was really cool and it had some really sweet uh, combos in it. Um, but um, I'm interested to know, like for what the decks that you've opened and played, like uh, what kind of things are sticking yeah. out to you? What are what are the tricky well, combos? Yeah. So so yeah, uh, Dark Tidings is is interesting. So I so I've opened I guess what uh, three boxes at this point. I've got a fourth one over here behind me that I am I am waiting because I'm trying to. Trying to make sure I play all my decks. Trying to trying to dribble it out and and uh, not just tear it all open, right? I find when I just tear it all open at once, it doesn't. It's not as satisfying. Like I'm more like, what can I get the you know the ultimate deck? And when you don't get the ultimate deck, it it doesn't feel quite as good as like you open some, you play them, you have fun with them. Even if not the best deck, you're like, oh, this is cool. That's fun. Um, you have a good time with them. And you open a few more. So that's that's how I like to approach it. That's fair. Um, I know you're much more of a control freak on your price too, so like it's like uh, it's good, it's good, to, good to pace yourself. But um, uh huh, uh huh, absolutely. Yeah, but my questions for you are what what kind yeah. of what kind of things have you found to be powerful yeah, more so, so or not? We've had the initial yeah. discussion, so what, right, right, right. Yeah, what's, so what's so I, I right, we we were like we have to start recording because we just started talking, right? So <laughs> and uh, and I was saying like I've. I definitely have a lot of fun stuff and uh, stuff I'm like happy to play and stuff. But so far, I haven't opened anything that I'm like, "Wow, like this this deck is so good." Um, in fact, the one deck I thought was was kind of cool um, and had like lots of fun stuff in it. Um, I haven't been doing that well with it. Uh, I haven't been fun with it, but like I've been losing. <laughs> and um, I think what it comes to is it. It uh, it's not balanced enough, right? It's got um, some crazy, crazy burst, but um, not a, not great ways to get those combos in the right order, and not necessarily great ways to deal with what my opponent's doing. Hmm. Um, but uh, but it's got a ton of fun cards in it, so it's uh, I like playing it, but um, but I'm not I'm not getting the oh yeah I found I found the things that that are going to you know consistently. Uh, help me be competitive and whatnot. Well, why don't I'll share with you some of the things that I've discovered this week. Okay, okay. 
Uh, one card that I discovered this week that I was actually overly surprised about was the Chosen One. Um, I have a deck. Ah. That, I have a deck that SAS rank is like in the 50s. Like, like I don't I don't know like how exactly low it is, but it's like 57 maybe I guess um, if I remember right, which I probably don't because I'm old and we don't remember things correctly. But um, <laughs> uh, somewhere down around there, 57, 58, and it is a double Chosen One with three Hadrith Wall deck. Oh, um, interesting. And um, it's based, and this is the deck that kind of put me in the mindset of Dark Tidings is a, is a different kind of deck, style of decks. Like, the way that the, the game plays in Dark Tidings is very unique to all the other uh, groups that we played. Yes, you make Six Amber, yes, you make Keys, yes, you move forward, but... This set, uh, Dark Tidings, in my opinion, is all about the mid game, which is interesting because that's what our topic for this week is, right? But mm-hmm. I think I, I think that um, it's it's safe to say that you're like the way that you build and you basically play um, in the um, in the game and how you move and navigate through your mid game to your end game is is huge in Dark Tidings, and I think that SAS is going to struggle for a little bit to keep up with the the depth of the lines that it plays because a lot of the cards are three to four card combos. And that's something that we haven't seen in other sets where there's such fluidity in the good decks, right? And decks that move and stuff. Um, So this is a cute combo. I'm not saying this is a great combo, but the three Hadris wall with the two chosen ones, um, it has sink or swim storm surges. um, Like it has uh, just all kinds of just craziness to make the chosen one stick and basically just stall the game out, right? And like, uh, this is a complete control deck, uh, Maelstrom included, mm. Sleep the Fishes, Storm Surges, Echo, like, uh, you have the two chosen ones. So, uh, I linked it in the, in the chat for you to look at, but it's called, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called Arrowhook of the Writer's Ruins. And as you can see, it, it has very low amber control, but it doesn't need the amber control to win because of the control lockout mechanism that it's implementing mm-hmm. and i guess in kate because it is a rare right so the chosen one instead of readying creatures they control during their ready card step your opponent deals one damage to the chosen one for each exhausted creature they control uh it's got nine power so theory it could take you know eight guys reaping to kill them unless you have a triple hadroth's wall each of which giving your flank guys plus two power to just i guess make it massive (laughs) to make massive chosen ones (laughs) yep and then and then the cool thing about this deck too is that like it has some really good cards that are are like early game cards that come out and just devastate with cards like storm surge right if i can get one or two storm surges off in a row that's huge um granted it means i have to stay non-fathomable but there's things to do but if i get one or two storm surges off either you take your turns off and you don't play stuff because you don't want them to come in tapped and stay tapped or not but it buys me time to get to my sleep with the fishes to get to my maelstrom then put them back on top of your deck to get to my sink or swims mm-hmm. to exhaust three creatures which is usually a pretty good number um and then all that's just setting up to play the chosen one to keep them exhausted forever right so unfathomable in a vacuum with this deck is just ridiculous but um, when you add the uh, Sanctum to this mix with the three Hadris Walls, Almsmaster, the Larry of the Lake, which gives Chosen One um, armor and stuff like that, that's pretty neat too. But the real trick here is actually in Saurian, where I get to put a Paraguardian next to my Chosen One and ward it. Mm-hmm. Then it never takes damage. Because all what? the da- all the damage no all the damage happens at once and it's warded, so it just clears really? the ward. 
Yes. Um, so that's the that, like, ah. that's the that's the uh, the the real like lockdown mechanism in this deck. Is ah. You basically play a chosen one next to your Paragradian and you just lock it down and go and win. Um, that's how oh. that, that, at least that's how TCO is reading it. That's how TCO is interesting. I would not that that is interesting. Like I uh, I would not have guessed that, but at the same time, now that you say it, I'm like maybe you're right because you. It, it says your opponent deals one to your chosen for yeah. each each of exhausted creatures they control. Oh. So all the damage happens simultaneously, and the word says nope, no damage, and then chosen one is safe. So um, huh. as you can, as you can see, the tempo in 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 like yeah. the, the lack of raw amber and stuff like that really isn't. This is a really a, a full all in control deck, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes you're playing from behind and whatnot, but once you lock in, like they just can't do anything except play pips. And if they're playing right. if they're playing pips, that's when that little bit of our amber control that you have with the Fausts and with the yeah, uh, and, and and with the um, Alms Master and stuff comes into play, and it can be and I can win with this deck. I've I've won with this deck a lot of times already. Um, it's actually not too shy. Um, Interesting. So, so that's that's a good good example of a very low SAS score, 58, that is actually just doing something that's completely different and breaks the game. Um, and so that's just the, that's a cute combo. But let's talk about what is the nut combo in this uh, in this set, right? Um, what do you think is the nut combo in this set? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I mean, the. Um... Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I, there's a whole bunch of good ones out there. Um, I know. So I was just looking at when you were you were asking me. I was looking at my my one deck um, that uh, has some stuff in it I really like. And I don't know if this is the the nuts combo, but it it definitely has the uh, city state interest, spoils of battle, bury the riches um, situation to just grab all your opponents and a whole bunch of dudes grab all your opponents ember. Uh, pull it into into your pile. Um, but, but that's what, pretty fun. But what if I told you there's a combo in the game that will win you the game in one turn? Like you can make, yeah. you can make three cards in one turn, like three keys in one turn with the setup. You could. All right. So I know in logos. All right. So there's like uh, people are definitely looking for final analysis, data forage, and like think twice. Yeah. And like honors keysis and stuff. Yeah. Three of those. Um, three of those cards are really good. Yeah. yeah. Final, final analysis has not been as, as, as good as people, I think, thought it's like expected it to be. Well, the, it's, it's, so the weird thing with that one, I, I feel like, is that it is, it seems like it's really good in the decks that are just super crazy fast where you don't you don't care if you if you just draw a ton of cards you can just keep doing stuff and 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 basically do your thing and you don't care that your opponent has a massive hand because you 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 killed a bunch of stuff and, and and drew because then you just play out your data forges and you play out your um all, all your stuff that really uh gives you the win but in kind of a sealed environment an average deck it's like hey normally you want to play a board clear when your opponent's ahead on board because you want to level the playing field and play out your stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but you play in this situation and they get a whole bunch of cards. And did you actually level the playing field? You, you just help them in a different way. And it's a very see, weird, weird thing. I haven't figured I, out yet. Well, see, I like the way you're thinking, but the problem is, is you're thinking the wrong houses. What if I was, okay. what if I was to tell you that shadows, Saurian logos might be the strongest house combination in the game. If you're looking to combo. Shadows, Thorian, Logos. Yeah. 
So let, let, let me walk you okay. through the process. Right? Okay. I'm gonna give you right. this. I'm All gonna right. I'm gonna give you the super like crazy deck. Like that should you, never you break it, it down. All right, break that, it down. That, for that, me. that that should never exist. But if it did, it would be the deck, right? It's basically I think that that, that deck is gonna consist of Data Forge with Kesis, right? Honors Kesis because that's two keys right there, just with those two, yep. right? And if you're into the cycle, you're doing mad things, right? Um, you're gonna want to think twice. Because Think Twice yep. is going to double your Data Forge, um, which is insane, right? Um, and then the, the, the reason I say Saurian and, and Shadows is because there's two cars in each that, that basically really put you over. One is the Medicus Lacus, um, the the mm-hmm. the one that basically acts like a Senator Brachus if you have the high yep. tide. Yep, yep, because because yep. all the amber that now on your dinos oh, yeah, becomes yeah. part part of your data forge combo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's pretty insane. Um, but this the reason why I say shadows is because you have a card called safe or sorry, and the ability to archive every creature on your board the turn before mm-hmm. you go into a data forge turn with think twice and kesis is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And so that is the combo, like safe or sorry, data forge and like phase shift. Uh, obviously, you want the phase mm. shift, and you want to base basically be able to just basically load up the board with as much as you want, play your game naturally, maybe make a key even or whatever. Then when the board looks like it's you know it's pretty loaded and stuff like that, here comes your safe or sorry. You basically put sure. everything into your archive. Um, I have a deck that plays with unfathomable safer sorry in, in the in the data forge combo with think twice and like I use my maelstrom and stuff to basically put all his creatures on top of his deck while all mine go to archive super swingy um, so like that the safer sorry I think is is the big is a is a big factor right um i actually sold my 82 deck to z to buy another box basically uh, because it had it, it, was, it was a safer sorry deck with with star alliance and um has three triskas so it's really good um, okay but but, but, there, yeah. but but there's not enough creatures in it for me so like i i passed like i, I was okay with get, letting it go um because i thought my 80 was better than my 82 and um i, right. I, I stand by that because that's the one that gives me um a little bit of uh of uh play to it and um that deck's enjoy co- <laughs> yeah that that deck that deck's name is loramir um and uh it is uh we'll link that to you too right here so that you can see it as we talk about it a little bit um but loramir is is one and of for, those for the folks at home the full name is uh loramir of outer hollow chasm yeah, or you could just go to my decks and look at the first deck on my Dark Tidings list. It's going to be 80. Um, actually, it went up to 81. Looks like 81? Got, look at you. Looks like we got a boost. Um, a bump. Yeah, but the reason this deck is really good is because I do not have the um, the cards mentioned, right, with Saurian and Shadows. Like, I don't have either one of mm-hmm. them. But another great card that happens in Logos and happens to be really, really good is the Forgive or Forget. Oh yeah, that's um, great. And that card uh, does a lot of got a lot of good setup for the data forge, and then you still have the phase shift here, um, and you still have like lots of good plays in between. And another card that I really love from Saurians that I didn't expect to love as much as I do is Enlist Numeri. Um, this is mm. a, gives you one amber when you play it, and basically take control of an enemy creature with amber on it while you're it's under your control. It belongs to House Saurian. So this is basically like a control of the week, or not a control of the week. I um, What's that? Uh, the uh... Shadow Saurus kind of. No, this is uh, this is or, this is literally a color like a color of subordination. Oh, color of yeah, yeah, yeah. That gives you amber pep, and basically um, has a little bit of a trick to it because it 
they have to have it. But when you have cards like um, Hedonistic Intent and you have like all these things that just move things over the other side, it just makes Enlisted uh, yeah. Numeri. Lots really of ways cool. to exalt your yeah. opponent in this set. Yeah. 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 And so like um, I think that's really cool, and I, 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 I I'm a pretty big fan of that. Um, I just like mm-hmm. the way I just like the way that this deck plays. It's very smooth. Um, and it goes in between houses really well. It has a lot of amber control, which is something that the set overall lacks, I think. Um, I think, yeah. I, I think yeah. amber control is a little bit tricky and stuff. But um, with all that said, um, the most powerful card, I think, that I've come across in my testing this week, as far as like a one-of card that just seems to have a lot, a lot of things attached to it, other than safe or sorry, which I think is amazing, was Reaper So. Um, Reaper so has actually been super good because it really? has yeah because okay. in, in untamed there are so many things that Reaper so affects in one way or the other that makes it great um, what is my best deck to show that off on I think I guess it's the diviner of the unscrupulous preserve um, it's a, okay it's a 76 uh, deck here I'll copy it for you um, I know, like these. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make sure these are pasted in the uh, in the description too, so if you can get to them quicker. Um, why did that do that? That's not what I asked for. <laughs> it like recopied my uh, my Loramir deck. That's not. Yes, cool. that is all I have, why and that is all I will that? ever get. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, it's, I am doomed to only see that. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, so the reason why I'm bringing this deck up is is because we're talking about Reaper So, right? And uh, there we go. Um, so there you go. And then uh, the cool thing here is that Reaper So is really, really powerful because I have cards like Mookling, which means I could put, um, you know, tokens onto the Mookling and, and save my Mookling if I need to, uh, to get extra keys, right? Because I could take it up to five. So it's five tacks, like in one turn, just playing Reaper So with it. But I also have Old Patty there. So if I go high tide, I get three chances of adding creatures to the board uh, behind the Chelonia that's in the deck. Um, but I also have like um, cards like Piranha Monkeys there that basically do damage. So instead of letting my Chelonia die, I could, pu- I could buff it up so that it doesn't get hit by the Piranha Monkeys and I get more damage across the board on my opponent's side. I also have uh, the Fangtooth Caverns, so pushing uh, Chelonia above my Key Frog could be a tactical play. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is the kind of thing that Reaper So seems to be really good at. It's like, And then the cool thing is, is like if you have things in, in other houses that are good that you could be using as well, you could be reaping with those as well. Uh, like let's say you're playing like Heavy Star Alliance and you're playing like Calm Officers and stuff or whatever. You could get into your Reaper So and then use it on a non-Star Alliance turn. You could still use your Calm Officers or whatnot um, to get value off of. So um, yeah. Reaper So like by itself makes me excited. Like if I see two Reaper So's in a deck, I think the deck is going to probably tend to have some really cool tricks that are going to get get you to places that uh, maybe you couldn't get to before. Uh-huh. Um, but well, this I, is... yeah. So I pulled a triple Reaper So deck. It's uh, yeah, triple Reaper So. It's got Data Forge. Link, it's got Link, final, Link, final Link, Analysis. Link, Link. <laughs> it is. 46 sass. It is awful. Link, it Link. is tied for my worst deck. Here we go. Here Link. we go. Oh, the name is beautiful. It's the citizen who is questionably vacant. So it is uh there it, I just like it sums up the deck. Like there's there's basically nothing that happens on play. 
Okay, so so the biggest problem, and, uh, yeah, the biggest problem I see that you have here is you have nothing that really is a reap effect. So like having yep. those reaper sows means that yep. you're that you're completely into buffing creatures. Which oh well, yep. you have you have Wickalia. I, I have the I have the Vespian oh, theorists. Yeah, two of those. The theorists are. Okay. Yeah. If they survive, they're but, all right. But they're a cross you know. house. They're a cross house that makes it really hard. So. Yup. I like I like the the in-house plays more than anything. Sure, it's like the old like old old Patty like super good with Reaper. So youngest bear is actually youngest bear is pretty good with Reaper. So yeah, Um, do have one of those. This deck is pretty awful, unfortunately. It's got a whirlpool, which is uh, maybe I could uh, steal a creature with a good reap effect from my (laughs) opponent. Whirlpool is a cool uh, card. That's another card that's going to really twist up the meta once it gets moving. Like uh, mm-hmm, once people mm-hmm. figure out how that works. Because I was playing a deck where I was capturing tons of amber on my rightmost creature, so I could give it to them at the end of my turn. Ah, and yes. then and then like you have Fangtooths and things like that to basically in- enable it. Like that makes it really good. Like um, when you have Fangtooth Cavern with Whirlpool, it's it's kind of nuts in a lot of capture. But that's a, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but like Reaper Sword has been cool. Um, another like kind of trivial fun combo that I, I, I like that I found was Yurian and Shoulder Armor or oh, uh, yeah. Larry of the Lake. Um, huh. <laughs> it could get really out of hand real quick, so I, oh, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of dig that. Yeah, but, my one... I've definitely, in the one deck I got, I've got a double Yurian. I've got a whole ton of, like, uh, armor buffs. I've definitely, like, reaped for nine uh, <laughs> with him, which has just been silly with, like, Shoulder armor, light of the archon, shield you later, and uh, just it just starts to get uh, starts to get silly. A force field to to ward him, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, sounds interesting. Sounds fun. All right, but I di- we digress because Dark Tidings has, <laughs> has has taken us off our normal ten minute intro into a twenty minute intro. But that's okay. There you go. There you because, go. Because uh, because like I said, Dark Tidings has a lot of just mid-game stuff, and like a lot of the stuff we're talking about is end-game, like uh, these combos into key cheats and stuff, but like the Reaper So is definitely mid-game. Urine and um, the armor buffs are definitely mid-game kind of plays. So let's get to that mid-game uh, aspect. So we've already talked about like starting the game strong with a good entry, right? Like in past podcasts, if you haven't listened to, go back and check out. Um, so we're now moving into what we call the body of, uh, of uh, the turn, like basically the mid-game game is what is like if you're writing a paragraph this is where all the meat happens right like this is where you have to get to the end game and this is how you set it up and how you're going to do that so i'm going to turn over to Dra- to draz to uh, give you our definition of this uh this process and stuff and then we'll start talking a little bit about some of the cards that really enable our mid game i mean it's basically how are you gonna flesh out your game what are the things that you want to try to do when you look at your card and say hey what what, are, what do I want to accomplish during the game, right? Um, how do I want to um, move myself towards my my end game condition, my win game condition, but all the things I need to do in the middle, right? So, um, and different decks want to do different things, right? There are decks that uh, have a lot of uh, creatures, interesting creatures, and you want to build a big ward, a board and ward them up and uh, reap a whole bunch and and take out your opponent's stuff. There are decks that uh, are very combo dependent, and you're just trying to move through and get those combos, right? There's decks that are super bursty, and you're just trying to go as fast as you can to to generate uh, as much ember as you can. Um, 
There's uh, there's there's just a ton of different decks out there, right? And and different decks want to do different things. So I think part of part of the important part when you're looking at a deck is thinking about okay, so what what are the things that are in here that are going to enable me to um, you know do a little better than my opponent when it comes to um, um, getting ahead and, and stalling them, right? Because there, well, there's also decks that maybe just you, a lot of what you want to do is just stall your import, uh, your opponent. Right, and the presence of these these cards can also sh- shift the game, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I went through and like before we did this, I basically tried to pick a card in each house because I thought that would be challenging. Um, but right. I was like, I was like, so can we pick a card in each house and like how do they present in mid game? Um, so for Mars, my choice was Brainstem Antenna because this is okay. basically a card that comes into play. It enables Mars to do what Mars does best in reaping, um, and basically using synergies. And so by playing Martian cards, now I have more, uh, you know, either a card out of house. I could use or a card in-house I could use that's going to basically get super manipulation. Um, it's going to basically push towards whatever the goal of that deck is. And brainstem antenna is just absolutely nuts. Um, it's pure value because every time you reap, you're getting amber for it or if you're attacking creatures and clearing creatures like uh, i could be board control so you have amber control board control you have amber rush all in like one card and brainstem antenna for mars so um that's the reason i picked that as one of oh. my strongest mid-game cards um so what do you think about that i'll give you a and, chance to return. oh I, I love i love brainstem antenna right and and just in case it's been a while since folks have seen it in coda or aoa it is an upgrade it's for mars this creature gains after you play a mars creature ready this creature and for the remainder of the turn it belongs to house mars so basically uh however many mars creatures you have in hand that's how many times you're going to get to either fight or reap or use an action or whatever with this with this creature so um you know when you when you have this card you're thinking to yourself okay is this something i want to depend on during the body to get me ahead in this game mm-hmm. i think there's a few things you want to look at you want to look at well how many mars guys do i have um, you know, and and do I have any interesting uh, recurring Mars dues like Sky Booster Squadron or something like that? And then where are my interesting Reaper Fighter action effects? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's you know you, you put it out in obviously powerful stuff. Like if you can you know throw it down on a Witch of the Eye that's lived, you can you can start to get crazy and or uh, by by just playing the same powerful. Mars action over and over, or or maybe it's on something that uh, is good, but Brainstem Antenna makes it great, like a Toxin or something, where yeah, that guy's decent, and maybe he's not normally a strong target for your opponent just to to wipe out. But if you drop five Mars creatures and you reap a Toxin five times, you discard five cards from your opponent's hand. Like that's pretty devastating. So um, it's fun. There's lots of cool stuff you can do with Brainstem Antenna. Yeah, I just got a Brainstem Antenna that has a cod, uh, Compod in it as well. So like, uh, Ooh, I'm, I'm pretty, nice. pretty excited to play that deck. Uh, I made a trade for that. Um, and Julie July uh, hooked me up. So. Mm. Um, so it's a fun deck. Uh, I don't know how competitive it is yet because I haven't played it. I haven't tested it yet. But um, it does have a couple holes in it that I could see. But the idea of playing Compad and, and Brainstem Antenna with good cards is pretty sweet, and so I was, oh, yeah. I was more than happy to grab a Coda deck from for a Worlds Collide deck, basically, because I have a ton of Worlds Collide, so I'm trying to diversify. Um, so, um, with that said, uh, for my uh, Sanctum House card, I picked Numquad. Um, because it's basically a board wipe. Uh, wait, it's a catch-up tool, like built into a creature, and then if you're not behind, it just kills a 
creature that could make them come back. So I really like Numquad. Another uh, one I had thought about for this, but it's just very obvious about, is Doorstep to Heaven, um, mm-hmm. where basically your opponent can't burst, like it can't get away. But I, I, I went away from that because my Shadows card was too much to protect, which is kind of the same idea. Um, so um, those are both cards well, I think, yeah. that uh, are, are, are diff- very different, but do very different things. One is attacking on the amber scale level, while the other one is attacking on the board level. So, um, what do you got let's about, about those? Yeah, let's talk about Numquid first, right? So, so first of all, I love the art. Uh, it's she's she's got like a gavel, a giant gavel, maybe, and she's squishing. I don't know what it is, it's, but it's, it looks it's like just a green goo at this point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's three power. Uh, she's rare. Um, play, destroy an, uh, an enemy creature. Repeat this effect if your opponent still controls more creatures than you. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons this card can be really great for the body is that it it gives you a lot of flexibility, right? Sometimes in decks, like you are, you feel like you really need to keep up with your opponent in terms of what's on their board, right? If you let their board get out of hand, you're worried, okay, they're just going to be able to kill anything on my board they want to kill and not kill what they don't want to kill and just reap out. And so Numquid allows you to, them to get ahead a little bit, and then you just bring them back down. And it can be real fun with, you know, other cards in, in Sanctum. Like, um, I have a deck I really like that has Numquid and Glorious Few. So you let them build up a little bit. Maybe you um, suicide one or two guys into, you know, b- bigger guys, guys you don't care about. And then you play Glorious Few, get a bunch of Ember, and then drop Numquid and even things out. And uh, you've killed their best creatures left there, uh, less good creatures. And uh, now you've set yourself up for uh, the next turn or two uh, in a really good board situation. Yep. Um, and like what I like to say about Numquad and like what you're talking about kind of in, in a general term is like it's a trap card, right? Like it's a card where mm-hmm. you know you have a commitment, just like Doorstep to Heaven. You know there's a big commitment or too much to protect. There's a big commitment that they could make towards something. And they have to be weary of the fact that you play that card because if they disrespect it, they just punt the game. Like they just basically mm-hmm. hand you the game on a silver platter. But at the same time, if you don't have it, they have to take a chance at some point right so you basically mm-hmm. pl- you play cat and mouse so it's very much a trap and if you play like around like you have the card sometimes it could buy you time in the game and make you have a advantage that way um which like i've seen a lot of like where people play super super conservative because they're so worried about it but then when you play too conservative you end up basically setting yourself in a trap because now you gave them time to get to it right so it's a it's yep. a real real fun uh determination and play style choice um usually when you're playing around those um so definitely definitely and uh you know i think the other one you mentioned right too much to protect Mm -hmm. uh right that that is one that is very scary and uh um you know i know that when i see it i i'm thinking that they have it in their hand i i definitely it definitely uh has to change um you know you know how i'm playing um so, so right. Too much to protect is a shadows. Um, is a shadows action gives you an ember. Play steal all but six of your opponent's ember. So, it really, you, you know, if I'm playing a deck that wants to burst, or if I'm playing uh, in a situation that uh, maybe, um, you know, I see that my my opponent has this card, but they've also captured a bunch of my ember. Now I'm really worried because well, if they if they kill their own dudes and then play this, they're going to steal all that stuff that they captured. And, and it can really, 
um, puts you in a tough spot. And and as the person playing this card, right, you can really sort of lord it over them in that way, making making them play suboptimally because they're so worried that you have this card. Um, or you could uh, do something like what I did in uh, my ABR match this league. Uh, thankfully, it was a best out of three, so this huge mistake, I was still able to win, <laughs> but I lost the first game because I totally forgot they had, it was actually interdimensional graft, and I did this massive burst um, and uh, got myself the 16 ember, <laughs> nice. and, they, and then they, they stole it. They, got, they took it with the interdimensional graft, right, which takes all your excess. Uh, when you forge. I, I just had to laugh. I, I laughed out loud. It was just me here at my computer. I was laughing at myself. I was like, wow, I totally, totally forgot about that. So that, that, so that, that dangerous that, card. Dangerous that, card. That, that thing that we call scaling amber control, those type of cards are cards you have to be able to identify um, when, mm-hmm. you, when you look at somebody's deck list. Because if you miss mm-hmm. them, you hurt yourself. Like You are that. sad. You yeah. are sad. You are sad. Yes. Yep. So, yes. <laughs> can't believe you did that. But anyhow... Bye. Uh, I was so <laughs> another another counter theory to cards like too much to protect and what he's talking about too when you're playing around for new players is sometimes you have to weigh the option of playing the creatures or the or the cards that you're playing that are going to give you amber or are going to put you over. Um, playing to six with too much to protect is exactly where you want to live. Um, and then you make them have to use their urchins and their smaller versions of stuff until they run out. And then what that does is it gives you the chance once they, they can't stop you at six, you can push a little bit into like seven or eight territory sometimes and chance that you can lure the tmpt out so that you can actually burst in a bigger way later in the game so um there's a lot of tactics that go into playing around cards mm-hmm. like that that you got to think about but part of that is again knowing your own deck and how you're going to win right um we kind of been stressing that throughout this series too is that you have to know how your deck is going to win and what your road to victory is um how do you play around tmpt do you stay over aggressive you know what if you're playing TMT, tmpt TMTP, sorry, uh, and you basically are uh, pushing like real hard and stuff like that. Well, I can counter you with an interdimensional graft of my own. Then maybe I push you to go. Go ahead, TMPT. You know, take all my amber so that I can get it back with my graft. Like that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there are counterplays to all these plays, um, and it's just a matter yeah. of having a deck that fits it. And you're not going to always have the answer, but when you don't have the answer, you need to find a way to basically make a plan B to your deck. Um, so that's why having versatility and good cards in your deck matters. Um, so moving to Bravnar um, for cards of value, um, I went with Grump Buggy here because I think uh, mm. Grump Buggy is one of those cards. Um, it could have been like here. It could have been like uh, I think Pile of Skulls is another great card. But uh, sure. I, went with, I went with Grump Buggy because it's the more more like I think happening Bravnar card, right? Like when people think of Bravnar, they probably see Grump Buggy, Grump Buggy, uh, Ganger Chieftain, Drummer Knot, right? Like that's the combo to, to kill. Mm-hmm. So um, I went with Grump Buggy because again, here's a card that comes into play, has a static effect where basically it's just saying all the bigger creatures make it so you have to pay more to make a key. And um, that is a great mid-game strategy because again, you know, you are adding time to their play, right? Like anytime that you tax a key, like uh, a key and they have to pay more to, to get that key, you are buying yourself time in, in essence um, for the game because they now have to spend more resources to get more uh, coin on their key. Um, and if they have to pay that amount, that is, it's, it's considerable because um, a lot of decks are, are geared towards making three keys off of 36 cards, right? So, um, mm-hmm. so Grump Buggy. And 18 Ember. <laughs> yeah, eight, 18 Ember, yeah. So, so Grump Buggy is, is pretty fantastic um, for Brobnar because Brobnar is all big. 
So, and a lot of the the cute cards, the ones that basically play with special effects and stuff like that, most of them are under three, um, three power, and some of them hit four, but for the most part, three and under, two and under, and then one and then power one with an ability usually ha are the more powerful ones, right? Like the ones that have like a little bit more, like man, if I don't kill that thing right now, I'm gonna lose. Um, but uh, you know, most of those cards, they live in the one to three range. So Grump Buggy is a great counter to that because now it's like, okay, yeah, you got little creatures, but like I'm taxing you with my big creatures and then my big creatures are eventually going to win the board. And then I do Brobnar things and that's what Brobnar does, right? So that was my Brobnar choice. What do you think about Grump Buggy? Yeah, well, I think Grump Buggy is a, a great card. Um, and uh, to, to remind folks again, so it's an artifact, <laughs> using Ember when you play it. Your opponent's keys cost plus one for each friendly creature with power five or higher, but also symmetrically, your keys cost plus one for each enemy creature power five or higher. So it definitely has to be, you know, quote unquote, a grump buggy deck, right? And I think the the, the arc score reflects that zero to five, right? So there are decks where you, you can't play this, right? Because your opponent may well have more five power creatures than you. But for an actual good grump buggy deck that's got lots of big creatures, um, you can do a lot, right? Because you can jack up the price. You can jack up the price. And then, you know, even if your opponent's got a big, you know, board clear or something where they try to, to, to you know, flatten the price back down to six again and then uh, and then forge for cheap, right? Hey, you, you just got more big dudes in your hand again. So um, it, it it's one of those cards that it's it's a, it can be a lot easier for you to force your opponent to pay more than... Um, than than some of the other ones that can be a little tricky to uh, to to stick because they're they're you know little puny creatures or something, um, but you also need right if you're playing this card you do need ways to deal with your opponent's creatures if um right if they also have a bunch of big dudes otherwise it's gonna be a really long slow game uh, which can happen sometimes with grump buggy which I think is why some people don't love the card um, but uh, in you know in the right deck it, it it's quite strong. Yeah, so moving on to Untamed, um, one of the best uh, value cards in the game is Punctuated Equilibrium. Um, and mm -hmm. the reason this card is great is because not only does it interrupt your, your opponent trying to set stuff up in their hand, um, but it also um, moves you through your, your, your cards. You get to play like a whole Untamed turn before you play the punctuated equilibrium then draw cards and then play some more untamed if you have it um so th there's a lot of like just value in and tempo that gets gained from punctuated equilibrium um one of my favorite cards to see in untamed in any set so like what do you feel about punctuated equilibrium yeah it's great right so it's uh again it's a um um action out of untamed and uh each player play each player discards their hand refills their hand as if it were their draw card step so yeah i mean this this speaks a lot to that efficiency right so so we haven't talked a huge amount about that in this uh podcast right but but basically it it not only um allows you to play more untamed cards right like jupiter was saying but it also allows you to get to the things you really want to get to more quickly right if you're really trying to build that combo this could easily get you that combo one turn earlier and get you that value of, you know, playing some extra other untamed stuff out while you do it. And if your opponent is trying to play their combo, if suddenly you you chuck their hand where they were holding on to to their uh, Martian generosity, and now it's in their their discard, right? Uh, maybe they don't have a great way to get it back, right? So um, it can really be disruptive 
um, to to your opponent as well. So it's just it's just good all around, right? It's one of those cards that when I first saw it, like I knew it was good, but it wasn't until like I played it a whole bunch where I realized like, okay, this isn't just good. This is like really really good, and like the more the merrier. Yeah, and like the other thing that's cool about punctuated equilibrium is that uh, it also gives you the ability to um, make your opponent jump the gun on their combos or on their lines mm. of play because they don't want to get affected by the punctuated equilibrium. So the, Prepared, mental, yeah. the mental game of having it in your deck is huge. Um, as well as as far as people having to play around it because again you, you like you have to go for the things that your deck is trying to do and punctuate punctuated equilibrium can just hose your setup for anything that gets too crazy so um cards just fantastic so um yeah yeah maybe you get your opponent to play their logos turn to archive earlier than they really optimally wanted to do because they're just desperate to uh to protect their cards right and maybe just that little bit maybe gives you the advantage to get ahead right Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so in, in Logos, we have Library Access. Um, Library Access is the original OG combo card. Um, before mm-hmm. it was nerfed, it was uh, the card that basically just gives you straight value. You play a card, you draw a card. Like, it's that simple. And uh, basically, Library Access is just a great enabler to get you set to your end game right because ideally you're going to load up your hand you're going to load up your archives with a bunch of logos creature or or logos cards and then when you go for this you're going to find ways to abuse it and make sure that you get super value off of cards like phase shift where you get two cards for two cards basically for playing one card Mm -hmm. right because you're phase shifting and you're playing you're drawing a card for the phase shift then you get to play a card that's not logos and still draw a card for that card and keep the chain alive so um Library access is just pure value. Again, it's kind of like in the lines of uh, the efficiency group and the uh, punctuated equilibrium where like, it just helps you get through your deck faster and set up what you're trying to do faster. And uh, OG, yeah. like, it, it's the and OG. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's one of those cards that um, builds on itself in that, or well, within the deck, right? So, so you already want decks that have a lot of efficiency and can draw a lot of cards, right? Because you can get to the good cards more quickly. And then this one gives you like extra bonus benefit for doing the things you always already wanted to do anyway, right? So it's just letting you do those things even better, right? And so you know, I think this this card really makes me think about why you know Dexa Keyforge added the um, that uh, FB score, which I'm actually trying to even remember what that stands for. I always joke that it's, that's Facebooks, right? How many Facebooks does my deck have? I can't remember what it actually stands for right now, but it's uh, basically it's it's efficiency. All right, so efficiency F- bonus, efficiency. I guess. Yeah, the B is gone. It's just F now. Uh, okay, so so the but basically it's an extra bonus for having those really high um, um, those high efficiency decks with cards that you get high value out of, right? Just get pips and get uh great effects and whatnot so th- this is sort of the you know a little bit of a poster child for that and then now they've right they've turned it into the library card right which um is slower right it's an artifact that you have to put out and then you need to ready it by ending your turn and then you need to go back into logos and then you need to play it and your opponent needs to not you know borrow it from you and <laughs> so on and so forth um and it can do similar things, but uh, it's just so much more powerful to play library access out of hand um, uh, than. Uh, um, and before it was. You nerfed, don't know what's coming. 
And before it was nerfed, it didn't go out of play. So like you got to basically right. recycle it and draw your whole deck like basically off of six library accesses. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind, yeah. Of, it was kind of crazy. It, you know what the other interesting things about that is like uh, if you look at the legacy versions, they they updated the legacy versions to actually state like purge this card. Yeah. Um, but it was it was in Worlds Collide that got that text update. If you get a legacy version in AOA, it doesn't have the text update. So it's just like from a timing perspective of yeah. like when it got printed and when the I don't know. I found that fascinating. Yeah, it's one of those cards you got to know what you're doing with. But uh, mm-hmm. all right, so we'll mm-hmm. move on to Dece. I know we missed Dis. Um, I know people hate when I call it Dece, so I do it just to fight them. But uh, uh, moving on to dude, <laughs> moving on. Is to, that why you call it the uh, the graveyard instead of this card pile? Yes, yes, that's magic. Just, that's twenty five. <laughs> that's twenty five years of magic in my head. But there you um, go. There you go. But um, <laughs> the idea here is. Um, I went with with gate was gateway to dis um, because mm-hmm. gateway to dis unlocked gateway um, any version of this card is is fantastic uh, t- like board control right like you're gonna basically be able to just clear your board your opponent's board again they have to be weary about what they play to the board when they play to the board so maybe they don't like get full advantage because they're worried about the gateway and it, they want to have a way to recover from it when it goes off um it just puts a time warp on the game again because it has such a great board uh presence and uh my one of my favorite cards um from this yeah yeah i mean it, it definitely can affect how your opponent plays and and it can free you up right it can free you up to n- maybe not have to worry as much about what's the, you know, what's the difference on the board between how many dudes your opponent has versus you? Mm-hmm. You say, well, yeah, it doesn't really matter. They're getting ahead because I'm pretty sure they don't want to call back into that house. So, and uh, I could do something over here, and then, and then I can just blow up the board before before it gets real, real out of hand. But it buys you time. Whereas if you don't have it, you might need to immediately deal with with your opponent's board when it's getting a little a little stronger than than yours. Yeah, and when you get to that like like setting up for your end game phase, there's not a better card in the game, like a better combo in the game to me than uh, Gateway into an Arise. Arise mm-hmm. is like the ultimate closer card, and, and it closes because it basically brings back all the things that you just got off the board. So it's like basically turns Gateway into a one way street, and then all the things that you get back from dis from the from the uh, the discard pile is like usually high value like you got drumbush oh, yeah. charrettes like you got snudges oh, you got shoolers, furnaces, yeah. shoolers like mm-hmm. there's just so many things from from discs that come into the game and are disruptive and so it's almost like end game restrict restrict the guntus like uh still mm-hmm. still got, has value too like um there's just so many things that come back from that gateway to or gateway arise uh originally i think uh gateway to disc got the uh, the quote unquote nerf by becoming unlocked gateway saying that if you play a gateway yep. it ends your turn and they thought that gateway was the problem the problem was never gateway the problem was always arise um, mm-hmm. but we'll talk more about that when we get to the end game stuff because arise is mm-hmm. definitely a closing card um, mm-hmm. in the right in the right decks it takes a little bit of setup but for control purposes arise is amazing um, so la- sure. the last house that we haven't named yet, Star Alliance, and I'm gonna go with Captain Val Jericho because you know she's my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, mm-hmm. my, she's my she's my, my my favorite Star Alliance card by a lot, um, and she just is good early game. She's good mid game, and she could close a game too. So like she's just the ultimate uh, ultimate captain in my opinion. <laughs> 
Yeah, letting you play that card out of house when she's in the center of the battle line, right? And she's five power, one armor, right? So, so, um, and you don't need to call Star Alliance to, to do it, right? Mm-hmm. It just gives you so much more ability to have so much more flexibility in terms of what you're doing on a turn, right? If you really need to deal with some problem, right? Let's say, I don't know, maybe your opponent has a check, or maybe they've got a super powerful creature, right? You can play the house that you wanted to play with a reap with a whole bunch of dudes, and also play that one card you needed, right, in order to, uh, you know, take out that threat on the other side of the board, or to steal just enough ember to, uh, so that they, they, they don't forge, and so you can basically do both the things you wanted to do, and those hard decisions that your opponent's trying to get you into, suddenly it's not so hard. You just do it all. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, pretty cool. Every time you trigger Val- Valjerico to go off, it's almost like you're drawing a card and playing it. Right, like, and you get yep. to choose what that card is, right? <laughs> because uh, no. you're basically taking a card from un- the house that's not active, and you're playing mm-hmm. it out of turn. So it's basically says draw a card, play a card, but you get to know what the you get to choose which of the cards or, you want to play. Look at the top five cards of your deck and play a card of your choice, right? Like something like that. <laughs> not that, not that good, but uh, I mean. Because it's, it's your hand, right? You have, you so have some depth, play, yeah. you know. But the, the, card, know. the card that you actually draw, you don't see. You, you're you not going to see in your hand, that's why. But it's not quite the same. But the idea is there, right? Like, the idea is, the fact is that you're It's good, is what we're trying to say, folks. You're, you're, getting, you're getting a mother that plays a card with extra effects, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yes, yes. pretty, pretty, pretty solid. Um, but that's our discussion. Did, did I get rid of... I think I got rid of your, um, your Unfathomable guy from the notes when I was moving things around. Oh, look unfathomable. at me! I did. You, you did. had an unfathomable card in here, and when I, I reformatted I this, it disappeared. And the unfathomable card for control was the chosen one. Um, yes. I, I remember <laughs> because the chosen one, as we talked about earlier on, mm-hmm. um, is straight gas and will put a headlock on the game in a way that is just completely annoying and, and unique um, to uh, Dark Tidings. Uh, the, the ability to just be able to continuously tap down your opponent's creatures and keep you know, keep them from doing anything with them is definitely a tilting factor. And what, like, yeah. what, when you play control, that's that's really the object of the game, right? Is to tilt your opponent, and like, once they're tilted, you win. Uh, it's that easy. Um, but yeah, uh, there's, uh, I don't have this one yet, so I need to, I need to get this card to to, to try it out. Um, duh, duh, duh. Chosen's pretty uh, good, and it's uh, like I said, it works really good when you're playing it with things like. Uh, the um, sinker swims, the uh, maelstroms, the, sa- mm-hmm. the storm surges, like uh, the tidal wave is really good with it. Like uh, there's just like lots of cool things. Um, what's that other card? There's um, there's one that taps two creatures the... and then does damage to them, like toe toe. Oh, uh, thunder toe. Thunder toe. Yeah, thunder toe. Yeah. That's another yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great unfathomable card. Um, thunder toe. Um, all the, like I really like one that I. I really like uh, unfathomable when you get into them if you get them built right, but they can yeah. be, they can be very awkward if you get built wrong. So yes, um, I definitely agree with that. Like the right the right stuff. Like um, Toma seems like super cool. Um, yeah, but she's hard. Where you she dies dies a lot. She is. She's it, tough, right? You need, you need like maybe a Triska or something to. to, to, to Toma yeah. is basically like a witch. Might as well be one if she isn't. I don't mm-hmm. even know, but I'm guessing she's Aquian. But she gets treated like a witch. People do not let Toma like hang out at all. Uh, definitely, definitely not. Toma is uh, it's 
uh, reap exhausted creature. If the tide is high, draw a card for each exhausted enemy creature you manage, and you got you know sink or swim. You're exhausting three creatures with that, and then you reap with this. You draw four cards, and now you're doing more stuff. Like there, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, maybe I, now I don't have this combo, but the the last deck I opened had the uh, deep priest glebe, which is kind of fun. Oh, that card um, is so like. Uh wishy-washy for to me because all the cards well, that, all the cards that you play that are aquian come in and they're already tapped with it right so like it, it, it kind of like seems to shoot itself in the foot a lot uh, i mean I, I haven't played with that much yet but after you play an aquan creature exhaust an enemy creature so like i don't know just more more and more ways to exhaust your your opponent so um i don't know he seemed kind of interesting but uh, certainly not game breaking by any means but no uh, i i think uh, he, i think he could be mine since i just opened them <laughs> i'd say he could be good with some things but the problem is is that when you play an aquian it's going to be exhausted as well so things like thundertoe and stuff like that kind of right double dip on you like they basically are, are shooting you in the foot that's what i'm saying like that's why uh, like, i got what you're saying at, at first i thought I thought that the priest was really cool, but then I was like, man, you really got to be heavy Aquian, like creature base, and then try to use creature bases to keep things moving for you to make it really effective. And I don't think that's how you want to win with Aquian. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely fun stuff in, in the uh, in the infallible. Well, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well... So this is it's pretty much the basics of the body, right? Like the mid game uh, that we that we were going to talk about. I think uh, I don't really have too much more to add here. Um, I have been actually picking up a lot of new players, um, and uh, yeah. I've been signing them up to uh, sit down and play with me on TCO and just explain things and, and walk through them and stuff. If you're one of those new players, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I have decks I've been giving away. I have like you know all kinds of stuff. Like you pay the shipping, I'll send you a bunch of decks, and they're going to be decent decks. I don't send trash. Um, not too much trash, anyway. Um, no, but, but just like a, one or two in there. Just you know, everybody's got to take a look. Well, I'm saying they, they, it's still <laughs> it's still it's still bulk to me, right? But like sure, sure, my sure. my version of bulk is anything under seventy five. Like, so there's a lot of good stuff too. Um, like uh, so I don't really try to seed my boxes to make sure people get great things but i just throw them all into one big box and then i just start packing them so like i don't know what you're gonna actually get but you're paying for shipping that's it and then you get a bunch of decks so like you can't go wrong with that um absolutely and there's a ton of fun stuff even if it's not going to win a vault tour there's a ton of fun stuff out yeah. there that uh, just yeah. playing and this with is it, this know, is beginner these are beginner level boxes like i've not said the only thing i do have is I have two French boxes that have 100 decks in them each, and they have actual, like, 75 sass and below type stuff. But uh, I think I found a buyer for the, a buyer for those that actually speaks French in the United States, which is the perfect storm for me. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Because then the flat rate box is, is not that expensive, and then they get a ton of value, and they can read the cards. So that's even better. But if you're also a new player that's just playing on TCO, French cards are fine, because they're going to get translated to English for you to play. Um, yep. And if you really love a deck, you'll learn it, and you would not have a problem with the French. Or you teach yourself French. See? Lots of value in keyboard. There you go. <laughs> Lots there of you go. <laughs> so, with all that, I am Jupiter from Manlius, New York, aka the Fifth Planet Keyforge, and I'm going to tell you that I will see you on Saturday. And if you don't find me, you can always catch me on the flip side. <laughs> oh, I'll see you on Saturday for sure. And uh, everyone, this is Drascore, and happy forging. <laughs>